Hello and welcome to episode 51 of Make and Take Mild Peril, your weekly dosage of amateur movie sh- chat and shit. My name is Jet Shepherd, and joining me this week as ever is my co-host Aaron Kakar. I hope you didn't mean that literally. As in what? As in we literally go and talk about excrement? Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. We, uh, it, is, it is starting to become a theme in this, uh, this show since we've had our little uh, revamp. I'll, I'll leave that one there. Maybe I don't know if the theme is it a theme or is it uh, just is it just more you know a thing. Well, I could have said um, I could have said movie chat and answers, but that would be a bit too on the nose. Mm. You know, that's something that we 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 gradually introduce as the conversation goes along. How um, how's your week been? Um, it's been all right. Uh, yeah, is that. I've, I should prepare an interesting anecdote every single time, but I haven't. Uh, how was yours? Yeah, it's alright. Yeah, it was good. Uh, enjoyed the bank holiday. Um, yeah, it's nice. It was good. You don't have an interesting anecdote either. I went to Madrid for a day, one night and found myself painting a self-portrait in an artist's studio. Uh, having not picked up a paintbrush since probably secondary school uh, and making an absolute fucking tit of myself. What did the artist say? Nothing. Luckily, we had to go on to the next thing before um, before I completed my painting. But everyone was doing, like... She does, like, faceless portraits, and everyone was doing, like, their self-portrait. I was like, there's no fucking way I can do this. I don't even know what I look like. I haven't ever taken a selfie of myself. Um, But Have you never looked in the mirror? I have looked in the mirror, but my mental imagery was not so strong having been up since four that morning um, and about six coffees deep. Um, and I had to, um, so I just like, I, I need to think something uncomplicated, you know, because I don't even know my features too well and all this kind of stuff. Do, do I draw myself with glasses? So I, I decided to draw Batman, you know, simple, geometric, which actually turned out to be a lot harder because obviously the symmetry of Batman's outline is something you need a ruler for, which I did not have. Only paint, pencil, and my artistic vision. I don't know, I've seen abstract paintings of Batman. But how's Batman a self-portrait? Were you trying to convince them that you were Batman? Oh, no, obviously it wasn't a self-portrait. Um, I was doing a Batman uh, painting. Someone else did Malia, not Ma- um, someone else did um, Amal Clooney. Yeah. Right. One of the, it wasn't a Mal Clooney, was it? No. Ah. No. Um, uh, so, was this was this something to do with work, or was it just? It was. Yeah. You, uh, it, was, okay. it was uh, an artist who's got an exhibition opening in London. She's from Madrid, and she we had a day of just following her, her around, which was interesting. Uh, it's an interesting uh, team building exercise. Uh, no, it was just me. Oh, thought, well, you said <laughs> it we. It was just me so and a like... bunch of journalists from other titles. Uh, and then okay. everyone else went home on that day and I stayed an extra night. And so on Saturday, I just wandered around Madrid and day drunk. On your own? Yeah. Uh, that's uh, very um, sociable. 
Well, what do you? <laughs> what? Well, uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? Shall we actually, shall we actually talk about some movies uh, for once? Yeah, well, you wanted look, you wanted an anecdote. I gave you an anecdote. Like. No, that's true. That is that is that is uh, that is definitely uh, what I asked for. But uh, oh, well, I think I think this might be a good uh, starting off point. Where um, the the plan is to talk about coming of age movies today, if we actually get round to it. But um, mm. I thought I'll start off by asking you the big hot hot movie topic that's been uh, been debated and been heavily criticised over the past week, and that is the. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog trailer. Have you uh, um, seen, seen this? It, yeah. I didn't know it was real. I don't. I'm not sure if it was a real thing. And then it happened. And I was like, okay. I mean, it's yeah. You, you know, you're meant to you're meant to reserve your judgment until after the film's released. I think particularly, particularly if you're doing a movie podcast, or, you know, you shouldn't judge a film before you've seen it. But this may be one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Why? Because it looks ridiculous. Like you've got well, besides the besides the horrifically uncanny Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, you've just got um, Jim Carrey acting like he did in the nineties, and like seemingly no plot. It just seems to be the biggest car crash in the world. However, I will say this: that um, it may also be a brilliant marketing strategy. Because, well, because I have no interest in seeing uh, a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Like, I, I don't give the tiniest shit. I would never have. It would never have crossed my mind to go and see this film. However, I'll have to go and watch a car crash. I won't pay to see a car crash, but I don't need to pay to go to uh, go to the cinema. So I'm quite happy. I would theoretically uh, be happy to uh, go and see this film if it's going to be an absolute. Uh, wreck of a film oh nah what would be the point in that you you do pay with your time well yeah but I would say, I would say that The Room no one's got no one's calling it a good film but it's still I wouldn't say it's a waste of time to watch it no I guess what I'm trying to say is you say we shouldn't reserve our judgement for trailers we do trailer reviews all the time and also the whole point of trailers is to judge whether or not you're interested in it. So, in that sense, I'm happy to, to, to make judgments on this trailer. And I kind of left as, you know, I've seen worse trailers. Have you seen this? Have you seen worse designed uh, CGI characters, though? Yeah. God, you may be the most optimistic person I've uh, encountered. Um, I don't have any strong feelings about it either way. Like, it's fine. They're working to fix the, um, they're working to fix the uh, character design, apparently. Yeah, but then that involves, you know, people who've worked really hard on this already having to work extra hours to come in and, uh, you know, to fix it. I hope they don't have... Like, yeah, but because these... people like you have been shitting on what they've been doing. I haven't said anything. <laughs> well, I have. I've literally said it on the podcast. <laughs> but, I, but it's not... Like, yeah, I hope they don't have... I, don't, I hope they don't have a, a sausage party um, type uh, deal where they just have those of animators... Uh, Come in work, work in ridiculous hours at tiny pay just to try to fix the film. Like, it's their, sure it's their mistake that like, they need to, you know, actually put time and effort into uh, fixing it. If they don't want to work small hours in the small hours, then they can just say no. Uh, if only life was that uh, simple. Mm. It, it, I do, I do have sympathy for people. You know, if, if there's a human cost to 
to the uh, mistakes of initial mistakes that were, were that were, were made in the in the production of this film, then that's that's sad. But you know, I, I don't really have any feelings about the trailer anyway. So like, yeah, it came out, it went. I don't know. Yeah. What I found really interesting is you know Detective Pikachu. Yeah. You know that's been shot in thirty-five millimeter. I did not know that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, well, yes, but I don't know who's the director. Is the director someone who's very sort of um, into their like say your film and uh, stuff like that? Hey, is is the director someone who's very into like uh, sell your sell uh, you sell you film and? Uh, I imagine so. Like yeah, like so, <laughs> you'd have to be, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, uh, it does seem odd, but at the same time, it's not like. Like yeah, it, I wouldn't say so. It will, it will make its money back. Like they can afford to, uh, you know, spend extra on, you know, shooting on. on the other films are Shark Tale, Monsters vs Aliens, and Gulliver's Travels. You know, Jack Black. Okay, that does surprise me a bit more. But uh, yeah, that is odd. However, it has had good reviews so far in the um, in the press. So uh, mm. yeah, I think this is. It looks this it is considered it is considered to be the highest reviewed live action film adaptation of a video game based on reviews aggregated on Washington Tomatoes. Oh. So yeah, that that comes out next week or something. Mm. Uh, week after. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is odd, but uh, I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion on that to be honest. No. Um I think it looks quite good. I don't know. Yeah, neither do I. So, um eighth grade then? Eighth grade. You can tell that we've um plan this a lot in advance we know exactly what we're doing with each uh, step yeah um so um so we both saw eighth grade this uh weekend because it only came out very um very cleverly they decided to release it a week where not much else was on uh the same week as avengers endgame so uh uh but yeah it's it's been out in the states for i think nine months or so now and uh it's been released pretty much in every other country apart from the UK. Oh, well, the UK was one of the last countries for it to be released in. Um, it follows um, 13-year-old Elsie... Uh, no, Elsie Fisher plays 13-year-old uh, Kayla, who's um, who's in her last week of uh, middle school, uh, which is um, the UK equivalent of year nine, going into year 10. And she's she suffers from social anxiety, and it basically just follows... Her, her last week of middle school, as she tries to overcome her fears and sort of uh, gain new friends after being voted the most quiet in uh, uh, by her school peers. Mm. I guess uh, that's probably yeah, yeah. How's that? That that probably sums it up. Uh, what did you think of the film? I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was really, really good. Um, very kind of like. You kind of want to kind of it, it takes a while to kind of process um and then like after you see it it's really kind of impactful and strong and i think i said this to you after seeing it, it's kind of like one of the best representations i've seen of of growing up in today's society and the new sort of bunch of threats and and difficulties that children have now and have to contend with when they're going through what is probably what is one of the most difficult periods of your life anyway. I think there's a really, really good job of of capturing that and kind of like articulating those difficulties in a very sensitive and 
very kind of heartfelt way. Yeah, I completely agree. I really, uh, really loved it as well. I think it's um, very, um, like for me personally, as someone who suffered from social anxiety and still does for in a lot of cases, it was very kind of um, hard hitting to see it actually be represented and like see characters who felt uh, the way I felt before on screen uh, in, and it's done in such a way which isn't it's not um sort of um exaggerated or kind of uh uh it's, it's a very sort of honest portrait of what it's like well like you said to, it's a very honest and true portrait of what it's like in uh to be at that age and to feel uh the things you, you feel i think it's it's very easy for it's, it's, a, it's a it's a very relatable film i feel like you could um like you know, obviously, neither of us are girls. Neither of us grew up in America, uh, and you know we're both a lot older than uh, the main character is. But I think it's very easy for anyone to to be able to relate to Kayla and to uh, to to um, to feel the things she feels and uh, to put your to empathise with her and put yourself in uh, her position. I don't know. Were you familiar with Bo Burnham before this? I um, wasn't, but I've since watching the film, I've gone back and looked at uh, a lot of his stuff. Yeah, because I've followed his career for quite a while beforehand, and this is like something totally different to. Um, this is something that's totally kind of different for him, and really kind of, yeah, a real kind of unexpectedly strong, powerful move, like a huge, really, really strong debut from someone who's. I mean, I think the thing with Bo Bo Bones always been a sort of prodigy I guess in a, in a sense like I remember he was in this show called The Green Room when he was 20 which is younger than both of us and this um, show is um, it's, it's basically like a bunch of comics sit around and talk about comedy uh, which is like one of my favourite environments to watch comedians in like there's that talking funny thing which actually re- received a new wave of notoriety this year when a particular conversation between Louis C.K. and Ricky Gervais um, turned out not to have aged very well. But anyway, this is um, a show, and, and it's um, Bo Burnham, who's 20 at the time, with uh, Jude Apatow, Ray Romano, Mark Maron, and Gary Shandling. And you can see he's so, like, bright. He performs a song on the show as well. He, he is quite a like, musical comedian. Um, but he is, like, really clever, really smart, and very, very funny. Um, so I suppose it's not a surprise that he did smash it with his debut but that he's done something quite unique and 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 taken on board a topic that is very kind of you know it's a young girl as well and as a sort of you know as a as a guy he's been really been able to sort of um show, show like represent these struggles in a very kind of real way yeah i mean he said uh, he said in interviews that he purposely wanted it to be a uh uh, a girl so that there's a level of separation from him and the character so it doesn't so that when he was writing it he didn't just it didn't feel like and people wouldn't just say that he's writing himself that you know he had to um he had to be able to empathize with a different character and i think that really that really comes through clearly and i think as well as that you've got the um you've got the fact that all the teenagers sound like teenagers it's not, it feels very naturalistic and um and real in that sense you know they yeah there's like stuff about how like oh no one uses facebook anymore it's like yeah yeah <laughs> very very true and like um, well just like things you like yeah. well, you everyone my age uses facebook still you're the only person i know who doesn't 
But uh, anyway, that's regard. Uh, that's, that's no. That's a different matter. Um, I uh, I've lost my train of thought now. Yeah, like the things like saying like you know where they say um and are and like and uh, it's not it's not polished and it's not. Um, it doesn't feel like a film in a lot of times. It feels like you're just watching the life of this person. Like there's there's not. Bobo is very comfortable of sort of um, extending scenes and allowing for natural pauses and for um, you know to do things even if um, editor uh, even if from an editor's point of view it might it might come across quite soppy or um, you know it's not the tightest the film can be it allows for a sense of realism which I don't think you'd get otherwise. Yeah, I think that but dialogue is often the key to realism, isn't it? I mean, there's. If it, without the dialogue, you lose that lifeblood, and you can instantly, like you know, you, wooden dialogue, you can kind of tell in, in instantly. Like I'd see, I'd argue most all the best coming of age films have been able to through. You know, it's like saying, oh, without a good script, you can you can have a good film. Well, you can't have a good film without a good script. It's impossible, and a script, especially a coming of age film, is, you know, that dialogue is. What you basically just said there is dialogue is important. Well, no, but I, I no, I, I think I think you may have misinterpreted. I think the dialogue is real. Like, uh, like say, uh, um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, it's a great film. It's very entertaining. But like, no, there's no teenager exists who speaks in the way that he does. Like, it, I think that that character is clearly written by an adult, and um, whereas this feels very much like it's teenagers speaking and. You know, I don't think I don't think it's necessary it's necessary a bad thing for coming of age films to you know have more sort of articulate or um, intellectual characters than you expect a teenager to be. But I think it really works well for um, a grade in particular that it's not it's not a plot heavy film and it's it's meant to just be a portrait in the day of, of, of the week of the life of this uh, young girl and the struggle she goes through. It works really well to have this naturalistic dialogue to have these pauses and. Um, these very sort of uh, these 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 scenes which seem pointless and you know don't don't have much to the overall narrative but work because they help ground the film in uh, in a uh, in in realism it, that um, that a lot of current invasion movies doesn't have don't have yeah I think it's sort of in this like it is it does aim at realness definitely but without without you know so. One of the films I can think of as well, which is really good at um, kind of uh, outlining and articulating the kind of contemporary um, str- struggles of you know of, of being a young person these days is um, at least for some of it, anyways. I remember the moments in this film, Assassination Nation, which we saw together, which are kind of perfect at kind of at, at, at putting that um, at, at perfect at kind of. It, like delivering that in, in, in a very very there's like certain party scenes in there which are like but I think that aims at looking at the kind of artificiality of culture in terms of you know the the way that through um, you know interacting through a digital world you lose a sense of reality and this one I think makes the same point it is differently whereas that one kind of it aims at kind of an abstraction this one aims more at kind of groundedness and it kind of cashes itself out in a, in, a, in a real way with kind of real impact, where assassination nation kind of takes it into the abstract, you know, by becoming bloody. But I think yeah. that's something that is uh, like you can kind of look at it in, in that sense. Yeah, well, I think assassination nation 
is a uh, is a satire, isn't it? You know, you're not you're you're not meant to look at that and like, you know, and uh, you know, and and think that what what's happening to those characters could actually happen. But um, I and yeah, I, I completely agree that it is that both of the films does sort of sort of try to get underneath this layer of artificiality. The fact that Kayla, you know, is very articulate and is very um you know has a puts a lot of emphasis on her present on her presence online uh but then when it, when it when she enters the real world so to speak she is uh very shy and anxious and uh you know can't articulate herself at all and i think that kind of that's uh you know that is a, that brilliantly represents what life is like for a lot of uh, teenagers that they've kind of been um they're kind of you know they've been they've been we, this new technology has been introduced and there's been no sort of uh there's been no sort of way to um introduce people to it and uh you just get this idea that it's slowly taken over uh Kayla's life to the point where um to the point where she can't uh she can't moderate itself and you know that is a very similar premise to uh, assassination nation but whereas it goes you know out of control in the latter film in eighth grade it uh it you know it, it takes a step back and i think it analyzes the problem with, with that and sort of how that gets in the way of the real world yeah definitely but the thing is i think what what i think is so kind of different here is like you can't the separation doesn't exist right like what what is the real world when the real world is also online like social media can't it, it doesn't function separately from your life it is your life it's that kind of thing about it's almost um falling short if you call a phone a phone now because it's so much more than that it's a sort of it, it is an extension of of yourself you know and that's a common you know regardless of what you think of that that's um that's that is you know if, whether or not that's a good or bad thing it's, it's a necessary fact now you can't um, it's very difficult to argue against that. Um, it, it's what the it's what flows from that. It's 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 and particularly when it comes to young children whose parents might often have um, might not might might not fully grasp the implications of 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 having access to unmitigated internet access, for instance. Um, who also might um, you know who have a, so much control that you know it's, it's how they kind of use that that it, it, it becomes more interesting and this is what the film does really well is it kind of it, it, it investigates that in this kind of quite an uncompromising way yeah no no I, I completely agree and I think it yeah that, no I think that is definitely true um, but it's it I, I think it's you know, it, it does do. It does do a brilliant job at sort of making this link between, uh, you know, technology and the way it's the way it's kind of, um, uh, sort of being the, the way it's now used in the real life. And I think you're right that it doesn't try to give any sort of view on that. It just kind of sort of lays it bare and sort of it sort of highlights the problem more than gives us more than suggests a solution. But it does. It does really, really. Uh, it does match really well. Sort of create a link between. You know, uh, between this technology and the effects that it has on uh, on the characters in the film and the people that they represent in the real world, and I think you know that's that's probably I think that's probably one of the reasons why it's 
sort of been so um why it's been so well received uh uh even by people who you know you wouldn't think would be able to relate to this film and you know why sort of obama listed in his uh in his as is you know one of his best favorite films of the year and you know why it's received all these plaudits was because it um is able to is able to just highlight what these uh what it's like to be a um what it's like to be a, a teenager in this new world we're living in. So weird that Obama is a film of the year list. Is that a bit weird? I think it's pretty weird. I mean, he's a he's he, he was a president of the United States. He can relax a bit now and just. I think it's weird he's doing his own Netflix show. That I think is a bit odd. I think he can list his favorite films if he wants. Yeah, no, it looks like he can't do it. I just think it's a bit weird. Like, it's just, why, why? Well, the idea that he watches films, or... Well, the idea that he puts together a top ten. Just... Also, can you, imagine, those... like, can you imagine Bush doing it? He'd get absolutely ridiculed. I don't think Bush has ever watched a film. <laughs> nah, Bush has uh, watched a film. He did, I oh, know, he released those paintings, didn't he, Bush? Yeah. Which weren't very good. Well, they're probably better than what I could do, and by the sound of it, what you could do, but... Uh, yeah. Um... But yeah, no, I think uh, some of his choices were quite weird as well. Like Annihilation was up there, which uh, yeah, I, I, well, we won't start talking about that again. But uh, what Annihilation? Yeah, I wasn't a fan for it. In case uh, you couldn't remember. Oh, um, yeah, no, it's weird. I just think it's just it's quite strange. Like <laughs> maybe it's just the... I tell you what else is strange: the fact that. Um, the fact that eighth grade didn't win, uh, or, or sorry, he wasn't nominated for any Oscars, or uh, was it nominated for Golden Globes? I don't think so. What would it have, no, what it would it have had a chance of winning? Like, well, it, well, um, Bo Burnham won um, the 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 top prize from the right uh, from the uh, WGA, the uh, you know best original screenplay. Yeah, and but that's the WGA though. They're more, but like you can't imagine it picking up an Oscar. Else, um, the Elsie uh, Fisher who played. Um, Taylor is um, was nominated for a Golden Globe. Ah, fair enough. Yeah, no, she. That's that's what we. That's one thing we haven't talked about. Actually, she is really good, and I think that. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, yeah. she. Yeah, I think she's able to. Yeah, I, I think you know that as good as the script is, and as good as as, as well as well filmed it is, it wouldn't. It, it wouldn't work at all unless she did have that central that central performance that's able to. You know, so she she's so she's able to show so well the sort of anxieties and fears and um yeah that the character goes through over the course of the film mm. and it it's I think it's her performance more than anything that's able to that's able to um that well that makes it so good. We don't rate films anymore, do we? No, we can if you want. All right, well, do you want to rate it, Alf? Um. Ten, <laughs> ten, five. Oh. I don't know. All right. Well, yeah. Right. Um. I. I. I'll give it ten out of ten. I think. Solidly. Ten. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Really. For yes. Yeah, for yeah. I mean, it's it's well. It's been a week since I've seen it, so it, it's oh, just over a week. So it's I've, I've it's been able to stew for a bit, but I've only seen it once. But I think it is definitely up there with among my favourite films. Wow. Um. Where what of all time? At the yeah, at the moment. Wow. Where would you? Um... That's mad. I didn't know you liked it that much. Yeah, no, I really. I don't think that I. I there's. I mean, I, there's 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 better films and there's films I like more, but I, there's very few films I think I've been able to uh, empathise with more. 
Uh, mm. You know, I, I, I've seen a character and I thought, you know, I, I, I know who that character is and I know, you know, exactly what she's what she's thinking and why she's thinking it. Was you know, it because I've been like, through similar stuff before? Yeah. When, you know, was it the kind of okay, right? Um, this is the, the sort of social anxiety stuff. I thought was really well yeah. Uh, done. Yeah, yeah, and the kind of technological side of things as well. Or, or... Yeah, yeah, to yeah, to an extent, but less of less of an extent. I think. Um, well, particularly at that age, I think um, it, the social media was less of a big problem because we didn't well I at least I didn't have smartphones so it wasn't on me it wasn't with me you know 24 7 but mm. also I've been that I'm sort of less uh, well, I always have been sort of less um um I, I I don't feel a big need uh to sort of to get to get other people's approval approval on social media like that that uh Oh, that kind of endless, yeah. Yeah. There's that one bit when she like she goes into bed and like um, after having like an argument with on a pointless argument with her dad, which is I, one of those, like her dad's an amazing character as well. Like it's kind of like um, quiet, sort of puts up with loads of shit, kind of really sort of um, temp, like really like temperate person, and like she goes, she has an argument with him. And like, you know, like, and, and and she just gets her phone out and just starts scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and it's just like, and that, that like a musical interlude happens where she's just endlessly scrolling through stuff. Yeah, and that's like something that kind of therapeutic, that kind of medicating effect of social media. Like, it kind of soothes, you know, you kind of you, you slip into this world of like, whatever the hell it is. Like, yeah, your brain does kind of switch it. Well, at least mine does kind of switch off of that when you go, when I go on social media. You know, it takes about ten minutes for me to think. What have I actually been doing? I can't recall a single like post I've looked at or uh, anything like that. Like, you know, I was on, I was on, you know, I was scrolling through Instagram before we started uh, the podcast. I can't remember any of the stuff I looked at really. You know, just it's just a very brief kind of temporary. Uh, what's the word? Uh, enjoyment. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I think we should say as well something that we haven't mentioned. It is a really funny film as well. Like it's heartbreaking and upsetting, and uh, uh, but it's also incredibly funny. But, yeah, although it isn't like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's like size splittingly funny. I think there's a fun like funny like kind of conversations and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, oh yeah, it's funny moment. Like it's not. I wouldn't call it a comedy film, but so the whether yeah the same way that. Uh, I can't think of a good example, uh, but uh, you know it does. Um, yeah, it it is like it like it definitely is a yeah. It is funny. I uh, yeah, I've lost momentum. <laughs> it's just funny. It's funny because it's funny. Yeah, um, no, it's good. It's good. Um, but yeah, no, it was really good. What um? What would you rate Maybe it? Nine point five for me. Nine point five. Nine. Actually, no, nine. Nine. Oh, gone down. I thought it was a little bit. There were some parts in it. I, I thought there was one part in particular which I was just like, I was not really sure about. What part was that? The part where she goes back with this guy, and he's in the car with this guy. I didn't think that was. I I didn't really like that. I thought well, you're not meant to enjoy watching it. 
No, I talk about like it in the context of the sort of film. I don't know. I think it's important because it's kind of like it sort of shows how uh, susceptible and um, how it's so easy to sort of victimise it uh, people of that age is because she just she 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 knows something's wrong but she doesn't know what and she's sort of so eager to please uh, this guy that he in order to gain his acceptance that she just keeps going on with it even though she gets more and more comfortable just to the point where she can't anymore so I think that does show the sort of level of um, vulnerability that that both both that generation has anyway but I think also that the sort of need for approval that sort of social media spawns in people can sort of of result that can have in uh, the real world maybe yeah I don't know yeah there's one way of looking at it I just think it's sort of that side of that kind of more, that that even more sinister side of things. I think if they're going to explore it, you kind of maybe do it in a little bit more detail as opposed to kind of like a sort of segue thing, which I think this one did a little bit maybe. Yeah, maybe. Although I, 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 I don't know what that was. Uh, I an interview with um, Bo Burnham that I saw. He said that he hired the actor who played. Uh, that character, I can't remember what his name was, because of the other people, of the other actors he saw for that part would play that character sort of very evil and, um, you know, very sort of creepy, whereas he felt that that actor played it so sort of very... Um, uh, he's more sort of... He comes across more sort of opportunistic and uh, kind of not really... sort of not really sort of understanding what's wrong with what he was doing and I think so you know you it sort of moves it away from uh, an issue of um uh sort of uh perversion and more of an issue of sort of the 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 effect that um the effect that social media is having on these people and the way you know how they how how they think that they can sort of behave in more uh inappropriate um ways yeah, maybe that's true. I don't know. I just didn't get the full. I don't. Think, I just didn't get that kind of full. Like you, you, you want that. I was wanted that. I just wanted. You know, it just felt more like a kind of subplot. You know, uh, that that maybe if, if you are going to go there, you maybe give it a little bit more weight. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, that's a good point where you made there, like the kind of character that he was. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, shall we move on quite, then? Yeah. Right, so I thought we'll quickly, we've been talking about this for 40 minutes, well, I don't know actually, we've been talking about this for at least for a while, so we don't have as much time as uh, I thought we would do, but we'll go through some of our favourite sort of indie, uh, indie um, coming of age films. Yeah, so it used to be a buzzword on, on this show, didn't it? It did used to be a buzzword. Well, I thought I'll, I'll, I'll seize the opportunity while we're talking about coming of age film to... Uh, Cram some more in while I can. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, what? So what? Um, so how, how are we doing this? Are we going to sort of try and sort of decide what we think can be um, what we think is going to be among the best or some that's uh, among what, the worst as well? Yeah. All right. So what? What have you sort of got? Um, I don't. I don't sure if I have a favourite one, but I have a few favourite ones like. Uh, like some more recent than others so I think of recently the best coming of age film of recent times is probably for me Lady Bird I think which probably tips it for me as like the number one 
Um, right. And then you've got like the classics, you know, like Breakfast Club, um, it, Clueless. Um, all are they stuff. indie uh, coming of age films, eh? Oh, are we only going indie movies, are we? I Sorry. thought we were. That, that, I thought we were trying to narrow it down to sort of avoid just talking about Breakfast Club for 20 minutes because there's yeah. you know, 50 other podcasts which you can listen to which do that. Yeah. It's probably a, a thousand others that will talk about 8th grade. <laughs> talk about what? 8th grade. Well, yeah, that's true. But uh, <laughs> it, we're nothing not if not unique, relevant. Yeah, nothing in the most unique. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, did we, talk, we talked about Lady Bird, didn't we? because uh, we did it we for did, our yeah. Oscars. I think so. you didn't. I don't think you liked it as much. As no, I didn't. I didn't like it as much. I so I enjoyed it, but I found it a bit. I don't know. I think I'd have to go back and watch it, sort of, uh, or at least listen to that episode of the podcast to see why, why I didn't like. It. I it just didn't. I think I I, I think uh, well, one of the problems with all Oscar films, I think, is you go you go in with a certain expectation, and I think you know this film was kind of pitched, and it seemed very sort of. Uh, it seemed like it's a film that I would really love, and then I think I was kind of it. It wasn't what I was expecting. Maybe that had a certain impact on the way I read uh, saw it. Maybe you know, if I went in again, and I haven't seen it since that first viewing, but maybe if I went in again and rewatched it, knowing what to expect, I might enjoy it more. That's an interesting way of kind of looking at a film because I mean, like for London, London Film Festival, for instance, where there is really no expectation. I know, cause exp- it depends on how much weight you put on expectation. I, I mean, uh, to be fair, I did. I did also have high expectations for eighth grade, and they met them. And I, it wasn't exactly what I thought that film was going to mm. be. Either, but you know so. what I mean? Like, but to, to, but to like premise a judgment on a on on a film in, in relation to your expectation is. Well, yeah, but I think everyone does it, and not necessarily consciously either. Like, if you if you think a film's going to be one thing, and it turns out to be a slightly a completely different thing. You know that that may, that's going to be that might well, could be slightly jarring depending on what your expectations were. Mm. I mean, it's sort of it isn't it isn't though because you can you you do see films without expectation, but are you trying to say that that is in its in itself a um, expectation? Um, I haven't thought that deeply about it to be honest, but um, I. No, no, you can see things without expectation. Well, I, I don't know because you're gonna have. I think even if the London Film Festival, unless you're a critic, you're not going to go in and see everything. So you're still choosing things based on, based on the fact that you think you might like them. What you you you'll get something out of watching it. Uh, most of the time, I know you sometimes just go in and choose whatever's on at a certain time. But, yeah. Uh, um and. Uh, but even then, you must still choose what film it's going to be. You know, you'll have four films that's on at that time. Usually, you'll choose the one you like the look of the most. Yeah, but that's not some relation to your judgment of the film, though, is it? That's just. Do you know what I mean? It's like no, but you I think it, pick from what's available. I think like from Lady Bird, you know, you have that basic kind of judgment based on what you think will be like. But then, you know, it has been it, it festers for you know four months. Yeah, you know, I first heard of Lady Bird. I think when um it was on in uh the london film festival and then it didn't come out until the following um february so that was about four months where i was just kind of um yeah i had my I was sort of building my expectations and listening to reviews and you know watching the trailer and uh listening to interviews and stuff like that and it just you know you know an expert i don't know i to be to be honest i'm just guessing i could be making this whole thing up and that wasn't why i did that well i did like it but that might have not been why i didn't 
love it as much as I thought I would be and as much as yeah, you did. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was so kind of real. Like, it was really, really good. And, like, it was kind of tender but not overly sympathetic. It was sort of really balanced and, like, it was, yeah, it was just really, really good. Um, I think probably the best of, of the last few years, definitely. Um, yeah, the performances as well, I think, are amazing. Like, uh, obviously, yeah. Saoirse Ronan... Uh, it's kind of become a cliche to sort of heap praise on her now because she's amazing and everything. But uh, yeah. Greta and Tracy Letts. There was a year where Tracy Letts was in like six different Oscar-nominated films, wasn't yeah. there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he was really good. Uh, all, yeah, all the cast was really good. And of course, uh, Greta Gerwig directing. Um, yeah, and she's directing, uh, 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 what's it called? Um, Little Women. Uh coming mm. out next year isn't she because well, really yeah like class. we like there isn't enough um adaptations of little women i swear that yeah. there was two released like last year yeah i don't really know what kind of happened to yeah 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 but anyway it's kind of it's quite it's only been what two years now since well less than two years since um her last film what about you what do you think is your favorite kind of coming of age indie movie recently recently um of adult life see uh I think, well, I think sort of my my favourite's probably the age of seventeen because I found that very sort of again I found that very relatable and um, enjoyable and funny. But I wouldn't say I don't think that's necessarily the best one. I don't think it's it is very kind of um, John Hughes esque and very sort of broad kind of which sort of has a very sort of broad appeal. Whereas I think perhaps the best one I've seen is probably uh, Miel and the Dying Girl, which came out. Uh, 2015 2016 maybe um i yeah i just found that very kind of i actually i actually started reading the book that was based on and sort of got very uh the 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 way the the um the way it's written i couldn't get on with it and and then it sort of gave up after 50 pages or so but then i really enjoyed the film film came out yeah this was yeah this was when the book was first released uh you know maybe i don't know 2013 or so and uh, but I really enjoyed uh, the film. I think the you know I think the fact that it's 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 a um, it's a film about a cancer sufferer, and obviously you know there's a lot of that. But it's not uh, it's not told from her point of view. It's told from a secondary character's point of view, and it's and it's her influence that sort of helps this person come of age. And I think it's got a very unique. Um, yeah, it's a very unique idea, and it, you know this character is very sort of odd and strange. You know, he makes these weird. Um, I can't even remember what they were like. Uh, weird films based off a part of a of a of a of a classic movie. Yeah, and yeah, and so it's a very. I think unlike Eighth Grade, uh, which is very sort of rooted in uh, in realism, this is this is very sort of odd and quirky, but yet it's still got those. I think what makes any coming of age movie great, and um, well, I'm doing a, at university. I'm doing a um, module on children's fiction, and I've been reading up on this. What makes you know movies for teenagers, not necessarily, uh, which you know most of the time are coming of age movies or have an element of that, is the fact that you know, no matter how fantastical or weird or um, or sort of, or um, sort of different to anything else, the the story may be the characters are still very rooted in the real life, uh, in the real world, and act like teenagers. And you know, uh, teenagers are able to relate to it well. And I think, 
maybe I wasn't a teenager when I first uh, saw uh, Me It Now, but I, you know, I think I, I definitely it was definitely around the time that I was, uh, you know, you know, about to go to uni, and uh, you know, I could relate. I could, it's so easy to relate to, you know, the, the choices this character had to make going forward. Mm. Do you think like coming of age movies in in general, like you relate to them, you relate to them less as you grow up? No, not really. I mean, I don't know. I'm still, I still don't really feel like I'm an adult yet. In yeah. What, sense? what? In what sense? Well, in the sense that, like, well, what is an adult like? I I don't feel that like, I said, well, I certainly don't have the responsibilities that you know you get with like uh, a marriage and kids and a mortgage and stuff like that. And at the same time, I don't sort of, I, I don't know if anyone really sort of. Uh, sort of feel like is there a moment where you just suddenly think I'm an adult now and I I I'm an adult things and I can't find you know I, I I can't find enjoyment in the things that I found enjoyment when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's it just it it comes. It's not a, a moment. It's not a morning after thing. But it, you do kind of get that. You, you slowly recognise it as you become more kind of responsible, don't you? I mean, you become more mature, I guess, and you. But I don't think I think. You know, the I think they're called young adult for a reason, and like the fact that it is, you know, it is it is about the journey towards adulthood, and I think, you know, no matter how old you are, you can still relate to the idea of of becoming more mature and sort of finding yourself, and because you know, no matter whether you're fifty or fifteen, you you know, you never stop trying to sort of think about you never stop trying to I don't, I don't like the term find yourself so I'm trying not to use it but you know you, you can't you're still trying to sort of find out about yourself mm. yeah I mean it's difficult isn't it because coming of age movies do relate to that as well as being kind of intrinsically good movies um, but would you say the best ones are kind of the ones with those personal attachments um not necessarily. I don't know. Why do I like coming of age films? It's a good question. I don't know. I I think I just I do. I think I I do like the idea of sort of the sort of self discovery aspect. I think really sort of uh, appeals to me. Not necessarily. I but I don't think I necessarily need to relate to all the characters. Like I said earlier, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, I I don't. I can't really relate to him at all. You know, I wasn't confident as a kid. I didn't bunk off. Um, well, yeah, I did. I say I didn't bunk off, and you know, particularly to go and you know drive fast cars around Chicago, but I still really enjoy that film. So I think it's just the uh... no, 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 no. Obviously, it's the kind of in, intrinsic kind of things that are good about film. Any any film, regardless of being raised. I'm just saying if the kind of um, if being more involved, it more personally kind of involved in or having more personal being able to relate to a film more in terms of coming of age because it really is quite you know like we mentioned with eighth grade it's got that kind of personal element to it as well yeah i don't know well yeah i think def- well that's why i love eighth grade so much but i don't think that's necessarily why i enjoyed the why i enjoyed the genre and why it's well my favorite genres i think mm. it's just that you know it's quite it's quite a broad genre and it allows you know it i think you know very you know like it allows you it allows you to, it allows the characters to sort of make a make a sort of I don't know I, I I'm, I'm just spitballing but you know it, it is a very kind of um, it's not 
I don't think coming of age stories are sort of exclusively about teenagers either. That like you've got on one hand you've got mid nineties that we talked about a couple of weeks ago where the characters what, maybe twelve, eleven, something like that. And then on the other hand you've got the graduate where the character's in his uh, early to mid twenties and I think they're both coming of age stories. I don't think it's necessarily I don't think coming of age is necessarily about um about the age of the characters it's about them sort of discovering who they are and what they want to do like in a lot in a lot of ways and i, I i'm not going to i'm not going to uh try to defend this claim but in a lot of ways you know you could say like francis hart's a coming of age film because it's mm. about someone who's very emotionally immature sort of trying to find her place in the world yeah mm. i don't know yeah that's interesting well what, what um what do you think then do you think uh it, um, do you think that um, it, coming of age films have less appeal as you get older? We'll find out, I guess, won't we? Um, I don't know. I feel like they might do. Um, do you find that at the moment? I feel like you get that personal connection to to um, to them that perhaps we have more now as, as um, after um, yeah. Now that because they're quite close, they some of the, like some of the things and themes are, are quite close to. Person, things that we've been, you know, dealing with personally, and obviously those those kind of dis- disappear. The, those themes won't kind of have that resonance. So, yeah, I think. But I think so. you still got the nostalgia factor of it, though. Pardon? I think you still got the nostalgia factor. Like you know, well, I'd, maybe maybe it'd be different, but like you know, my 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 granddad up until when he died, he, he most almost all of the films he watched were um, cowboy films because that's what he was you know, brought up on and went to the cinema when he was a child to watch and that's what he was watching all his life. You know, my dad loves war films for the same reason. So maybe, you know, maybe that has an impact on, you know, how you view this genre. Mm. But I mean, a good film will be a good film, I guess, in, in, yeah. in that way. Like, in the same way that I'm not, like, you know, these films will... will like, none of these films are good just because of their personal kind of attachment. Um, you, you, we have to them, but they are kind of like yeah. But it, like, what's 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 the alternative? You grow up and you get less fond of coming of age films and more fond of, fond of political thrillers. Like I don't like I don't think there's necessarily like a uh, an age progression through film genre. Like, you know, you like what you like, and that you know, and you, you, people like different genres more. Um, yeah. Well, depending on who they are, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think there's an age element to it necessarily. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I guess we'll find out when we get older. How much time have we got? Oh, do you want to, shall we move on to the Spider-Man trailer then? Because we're running yeah, out of time. All right, so shall we say um, from here on in, uh, just going to completely open up uh, for spoilers on Endgame? Yeah, as and just, well, the, the trailer is premised by... Um, yeah, by Tom Holland uh, saying, uh, saying, don't watch it if you've not seen Endgame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you get it, it's funny because he always spoils things. Do you get that joke? It's, it's, it's yeah, irony. Yeah, it's hilarious, yeah. isn't it? Because he, you yeah, know, he always... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's quite... Um, so, um, so, yeah, what do you... Um, what do you think of the trailer then? Um, yeah, it was good, I thought. Yeah, it's kind of... Yeah. It's, I mean, it adds a different tone to the film, doesn't it, to say the least? Yeah. I mean, it. I I didn't. Ex- it seems like John Favreau is going to play a big uh, part in this film. Which, uh, you know, I, if you've if you've listened to our discussions on the um, 
on the Marvel films in the last three episodes, uh, you can imagine I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm very happy with that. I'm very excited. Yeah. More happy. But yeah, it, it seems, I tell you what, what I found to sort of, um, most shocking maybe about this trailer is not the, not the sort of Iron Man stuff and that, which, you know, you can't, you're kind of expecting that it's going to, this film is going to deal with the fallout of Endgame in, in, in you know, to some extent. But uh, the fact that it seems to be setting itself up as a as a body comedy between uh, Spider Man and uh, Mysterio. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I think you know, there's got so much fallout to deal with actually, because now that we kind of are cognizant of, you know, everything that the film that Endgame took away, it's kind of like, wow, you, you, there's a lot of mess here. Like, what is Happy's relation? Like, how Stark Enterprises move on and. And how and what side of it do we see? Is it insofar as it kind of pertains to other characters and other movies, as well as also the Mysterio twist? Yeah, I mean he's he's clearly the villain, isn't he? Yeah, like, well, I mean they set it up in this new new one as like he's kind of working with. You know, I hope it's not as obvious a twist as like, oh, he just turns out to be a villain. Well, you know no, because I mean? they did do they did have the, the uh, quite a good twist in uh, Homecoming where you know he ended up being a. Uh, Spider-Man's love interests uh, dad so I don't think it's probably it'll probably be something like um, I don't know he does come from a different dimension but he created these creatures in the first place and they they went out of control or something Mm. I don't yeah oh yeah you got like the blooming um, multiverse stuff as well yeah which is yeah I think it's I I, I like that that they're, they're, they're sort of they're not holding back with all this new stuff they're introducing that they're, you know, they, int- they introduce these new ideas and, you know, immediately start playing with them. I think it mm. could be quite fun. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, but then I don't know if you'll be able to get that dynamic between, uh, you know, Peter, Peter Parker trying to, you know, discover himself. Oh, I keep saying that. Trying, you know, trying to like, you know, have, have the coming of age side of the story with his friends and, you know, the, the, the funny stuff it's fun, uh, explore in Europe and then this big these big uh, multi-dimensional uh, you know Marvel stuff setting uh, stuff up for the next phase mm. yeah I'll see you I guess do you do you think yeah. that this film will kind of um, will sort of be because obviously Endgame we said was very a sort of a very complete film and ended in a very sort of uh, on a complete note do you think this film will be trying to set up stuff for the future uh, of the franchise well I was on uh, Reddit earlier and they had something about this um, potentially being like a um, sort of um, uh, potentially Mysterio being like Doctor Doom or something but it's kind of like it's way too soon they got the rights to Fox films way way too soon so it doesn't seem likely but I can imagine there being kind of tease towards larger villain definitely the kind of end credits it just depends if we're ready for it yet do you know what I mean like Thanos wasn't really brought in as a kind of thing until what got regarded in the galaxy yeah and I'm not saying you necessarily need to know who the big villain will be but uh, you know it's teasing stuff which will be um 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 yeah uh, set up in the um the future movies like obviously um well I think I think I think the well the Marvel's got two films scheduled uh, for release next year, and by the looks of it, it's going to be a Black Widow movie, which 
God knows That's what where's that going to set or you know what's going to happen in that. And then the other one by the set by well what people think it's going it's going to be the Eternals movie. So obviously they're moving to something a bit more uh, going more into space, cosmic, which I think is quite yeah. dangerous. Things get complicated in space, like yeah. But then uh, they uh, they have been setting themselves up for that though, really, haven't they? Yeah, like yeah, and it is the only logical way to go, really. When yeah, you think about it. well, well, unless the other thing is they just go, which I can't see them doing, but they just go much more small scale, you know, like a lot more sort of Ant Man and the Wasp esque uh, storylines, where it's not the universe is it, uh, it's being threatened every single time. Yeah, I think we'll. we'll um... Yeah, I don't know. It is interesting because you know you you you, you it is dangerous. Like, because I think of some of the um, I do think of like some of the um, space Marvel space stories of old, and just think like bloody hell, like you could get real like naughty kind of real sort of um, yeah, real kind of complicated. But I think those Marvel they've done a good job with Guardians so far, so I think it's you know kind of yeah, uh, yeah, I can imagine. I. I was, this is it's been rumored that uh their um the the, the fantastic four and x-men and stuff are going to come from a different dimension like that's why they haven't been uh they have you know they haven't existed in this universe so far and i think yeah. you know from what we know about uh far from home at the moment it seems that you know that they could be setting up with the idea that beck's from a different uh, uh and uh you know yeah uh, Perhaps I've tried to explain the the really confusing time travel aspect in uh, Avengers Endgame more in this film. That's true, and you know, it seems as though like um, people are kind of like are kind of willing to take more like more on board. Like, you know, no one's saying like they have to be simple films or anything, but like, um, but like they kind of do need to be like, you know, they, people are willing to invest more time and, and stuff into them. So. It, it, and pe- they haven't people's loyalty now. They're not. They're not necessarily going to sort of. You know. They're not necessarily going to kind of take those. You know. They can make more sacrifices and 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 t- push them out a little bit further now because they've got more loyal, um, more loyal of an audience. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's that's probably the direction they're going in. But. Uh, mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's is it, well. If we talk, we said this in Endgame, but uh, you know, it's definitely hard to see where they're going to go next because, uh, you know, it's it's kind of um, the, the the Marvel franchise is kind of an impossibility in the fact that you know that you've had all these films, t- uh, each one a sequel to the one before, and yet it's it's completely worked as a concept. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Other studios have tried and failed, and you, you don't know if yeah. they're going to be able to keep it up, considering they've ended this initial uh, set of stories. Well, that's what we said before, wasn't it? It's like the when, when we did last week, was you know that kind of the scope and scale of it is that's unprecedented. So, yeah, um, certainly, you know, in and of itself, it's a ridiculous achievement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the box office numbers are just ridiculous. Yeah, it's overtaken like, Titanic. Yeah, in in uh, in eleven days, isn't it? Since it came out, it just has to overtake. Yeah, I mean, I was expecting yeah. it to do that well, but not so quickly. Like it, it's it's completely uh, possible that it could, it'll be the first film to break the three billion mark. Yeah, which is ridiculous uh, and yeah, scary that uh, 
Disney's gaining more and more money and more and more power. Yeah, the absolute behemoth, isn't it? Disney? Yeah. Yeah, uh, crazy. But anyway, on a cheery note, uh, that's the end of the show. That Unless is... you've got anything else to add. No, no, no. I think, you know, I think, you know, Marvel is, we've marvelled out. <laughs> yeah, but we'll like, probably I mean? still like th- talk about it every single of, episode. A huge slab of a, of a three-hour movie and a trailer. It's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think they need to be careful to not oversaturate. And I know they won't because they, they are smarter than that, but they need to be careful. Because, like, even, you know, I don't know if I can speak for myself, but, like, you do, you do kind of be like, oh, <laughs> give me a break for a moment. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure if yeah. you know that. I mean, the obviously, uh, Far From Home is being released by um, Sony, though, so Marvel don't have as much of a choice. No, about still, that though, stuff. still. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, this is better uh, than the second trailer from Home Game. I don't, uh, Home Game? Homecoming. I don't know if you remember that they just literally yeah, spout out the yeah, entire yeah, film. such a ridiculous idea. Yeah. <laughs> At least this one, I think, you know, it does leave you guessing a little bit at least yeah yeah oh dear yeah um right yeah shall we wrap up then let's wrap up um shall i do the um shall i do the honors uh yeah please do cool okay great so you can listen to uh make a team marvel um we are on email. You can email us at. Sorry, I'm just trying to get up. You can see, you can tell currently that I'm trying to get up the. Um, yeah. <laughs> shall I? Shall I? Shall I so cover for you while you I've do that? It, I've got it. Um, we've got um, email us at um, marpelpod@gmail.com. Tweet us. Tweet us. Tweet us. <laughs> yeah, please tweet us. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, my um Jack's Twitter, Jack M. Shep. Mine's Aaron Cracker One. Uh, Jack's Facebook, Jack M. Shep. Have you watched anything? Um, interesting this week i watched um safety not guaranteed which is the, oh it's um, good isn't it yeah colin Trevorrow uh, yeah film yeah it's really good uh, particularly since it's made on like a 750 thousand uh, dollar budget yeah decent ridiculous. cast as well like aubrey plaza and jake johnson isn't it yeah and yeah. uh basically all a load of really famous people before they got famous ah which is a good way to do it um ah. yeah. uh, it's, it's a great film what, what are you what's your uh, letterbox uh, well, that, mine's Kakarun. Um I don't use it, but I did watch um, Vox Lux this weekend. Was um, that any good? It, have you seen it? I've seen promotional material, and it looks like shit. But well, it certainly doesn't look like my type of film. It's bizarre. It's a really bizarre, strange film. Um, I didn't like all of it. It looks to so me like um, Black Swan, but in a in the fashion industry. It's based on a singer, um, and it's a singer who survived a high school shooting, um, becomes a superstar. But it's just really odd. It's really odd, and yeah, uh, <laughs> Natalie Portman is it's not her best performance. Um, yeah, I'd recommend it to see it just for the just um, see what you think. It's it's a, it's an odd film, really odd film. Um, yeah, good, there are good things about it. There are good things about it. Um, but yeah, that's it. I think that's it. Any more for any more? Um, no. Eat your greens. Eat your, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that, that's 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 no, that's Yeah. Good. You got anything you want to add? Um, eat five a day, I guess. You know, five fruit and veg a day. Yeah, and uh, yeah. We'll see you next week.
Yeah, yeah. Uh, piss off up Vanessa's ass. <laughs> I'm making that my new catchphrase now. It's good, yeah. It could be our signature. 